1: Hello. We, uh... <laughs> hmm. <No. laughs> oh, all right, let's start again. So we we need to introduce the show. So what? Any ideas? Yeah, I could do this. Welcome to the writing community chat show. Ah, <laughs> oh, but it's singing again. What about like a, a rock version of that? Welcome to the writing community chat show. Ah, <laughs> oh, brilliant. Do you know what, Sonic? We'll just stick some sound effects in there. Yeah, just do
2: that.
0: The truth shall set you free. Oh, baby.
2: Peanuts, get your peanuts
0: here. Awesome.
1: Crank it up. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Friday Night Chat Show. I am uh, very pleased to say that we're here after a bit of uh, technical issues on Wednesday. The internet locally was completely chaotic and it made the show um, unable to be produced. So unfortunately we didn't have a show Wednesday, but we are here tonight with a fantastic guest and you may notice something a bit strange. Uh, Mr. Hooley, who normally sits by there, is not here. Um, And I can't tell you where he is because I don't know. And I know we've done a feature before where we spoke about uh, Mr. Hooley's lost in a cupboard somewhere and I hope that's all it is. Perhaps he's locked in his loft where he normally films from, I'm not sure. But um yeah, we have got a great show in line for you, so please don't switch off. Please do share this, uh the share the stream so everyone can get involved. And I cannot wait to introduce the guest tonight, which by the way, we have had on before. And if you listen to the show, you will know that I accidentally deleted that show. But she is fantastically agreed to come back on and and because she's a great person, so thank you so much for coming back on. But very briefly before we do start the show, as always, uh let's talk about the Beer Token book promotion and Uh, You can sponsor this show and have your book displayed uh, and talked about and displayed throughout the entire show. And this week it is from uh, Mr. Jeff Major, who is at uh, Gradus Primus. His book is called Deadline, and it is uh, 4.8 out of 5, and it's had 6 reviews on Amazon. Uh, A jaded journalist becomes the confidant of a serial killer who believes you reap what you sow. And it's had some great reviews, some of which, uh, wow, what an enjoyable read which had me gripped right up to the fantastic twist of an ending. Five stars. And this is an absolute page-turner. It was addictive and difficult to put down. Definitely should be made into a TV drama. If you like reading crime thrillers, you won't be disappointed. So please check out uh, this book. And, of course, the authors that support us. It's fantastic to support them. And I will pop his uh, book cover up in the top corner there. Deadline, it's got some um, vital spikes on it i think so uh check that out and please uh let us know if you do that so without further ado uh let's let's get on if we can get that graphics away our guest today and i'm so so excited please welcome cd major hello hello Hi. Ah, so good to have you back on the show um <laughs>
2: It was a traumatic experience last show, wasn't it? It was the hottest the <laughs> park I was sweating buckets. Our internet was all over the show. We finally got it, <sighs> and then you managed to delete
1: it. Well, there was there was a good story behind that, and it was the fact that you know the service that we use, we absolutely swear by. If you're in the in the visuals, Streamyard is fantastic, but of course it's got like um, a storage thing where it automatically deletes stuff after a time limit, which. Because I wasn't quite as, as aware of what we did, um, I deleted the wrong, or didn't save the right episode that we did. Because, of course, the first episode, or uh, well, the very first 10 minutes we did, we couldn't even speak to each other, and there was all sorts <laughs> going on in the background, so um, okay. it was bonkers.
2: Anyway, it's all good. I've got a jumper on, I've got the heater on, that's how different it is. You know, What a difference two months makes.
1: It's I know, it is it is fantastic, and, and I absolutely love your shed vibe, and listeners will know that we uh, we've been waiting for a shed one day we'll have one just like yours yes it, and know. last time we established you had a chicken in the background is that still there yeah
2: it's on the shelf where is he, Yay. Okay, there he is. yeah on the
1: shelf. chicken on the shelf so the people yeah. that may or i'm assuming a lot of people tuning this will know who you are but the ones that don't can we have a little uh overview of your i guess recent book which is called um the other girl and you've got a copy there uh fantastic cover by the way um, which has done fantastically well. And we'll talk about some of the reviews that's had very soon. But can you let someone or someone, just one person, uh, know a bit about that book and what it's about?
0: Please.
2: Yeah, so it's um, a creepy thriller. Um, all my books are always based on um, something true or an event that's happened. So this was inspired by a nasty fire in New Zealand in 1942 in a lunatic asylum. And there were two survivors of that fire. And I it follows the story of Edith. She was put in the asylum when she was five years old. She's now the morning after the fire. She's 20. Um, So she's basically lived there all her life. Hmm. And this young doctor, this sort of naive, sort of fresh out of, you know, graduating doctor, full of good ideas and talking therapies, um, sort of takes a bit of an interest in her and becomes essentially obsessed with her throughout the course of the novel. And we look at the reasons that she was incarcerated when she was five and whether she's bonkers, whether the things she said as a child were true. And essentially, it delves into the topic of past life memories. And so it gets really out there. Um, So, yeah, it's a book set in a lunatic asylum. And it's looking at sort of if we treat people like they're mad, do they become mad? Um, You know, is is everyone mad? Um, Mm. There's lots of, yeah, lots of nasty bullying and things like that. And and quite unpleasant treatments, um, of course, of um, things that truly did happen to people. Um, And I did horrible research, you know, and (laughs) just... Um, yeah, so it was, yeah, it's it's scary. And for the whole book, she's basically down to have a lobotomy. And it's that sort of race to see whether she will have to have that operation or not. So. Yeah.
1: Well, Anya on the chat. Hello, Anya. Nice to see you uh, around. She said, is the chicken real? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. If it hasn't moved since last time I saw it, it's probably not. Um, but nice to see you on the chat. And hello to everybody that's there. And please do chat with us. If you have any questions for uh, Seska, then please put them in there and we'll have We'll ask. Um, so the first thing to, to note from that story, apart from the fact it sounds really, really cool. Um, where's the interest for sort of the the past lives and all of that sort of side of things? Because I get really fascinated by that. And okay, Halloween's next week. And we've got a big party show coming, by the way there um so it kind of links well to that so where was that inspiration come from and why sort of that route
2: yeah i it was genuinely it came definitely after the the fire and the ludic asylum and lots of it because i was like why would someone be put in this place age five you know really Mm. young um and i just i don't know where i came with it i've always been interested in the supernatural i've always Mm. been i love you know any kind of ghost story or anything like that and um, my second book, The Last Night, had that sort of supernatural vibe. There was definitely sort of that idea that essentially there was a bureau in it that was haunted by the secrets it kept. And there was flashes and there was faces in mirrors and there was wet footprints and all of that. So I've always loved that stuff. And um, I, as a child, apparently, when I had this mark in my thigh, I used to say that I was shot in the war. Um, and I, just, I did repeat it a lot and I do remember saying it, but I don't remember why or how. So I suppose I just got thinking about it, that you know one of this child was saying these crazy things, like what kind of parents would she have? So let's give her really religious parents who are quite well-standing mm. in the community. And they essentially just are freaked out by what she's saying. She's also, many children with past life memories are quite adamant, A, they get very emotional and B, they often recount a very violent death. So that's really creepy for a five-year-old to come out with, you know, that's how I was killed. Um, and I just thought, put that into a religious family Mm. and what would they do and you know they end up trying everything with her um they try and exercise the demon and they try and you know beat it out of her but essentially they give up and they shove her in this institution and she's diagnosed as obviously being schizophrenic Mm. no no one believes her and and it's a lot of the book is is this true you know is she telling the truth about this dead girl basically the other girl which is why it's called that um so you're always interested in in whether there is a Yeah, another girl somewhere.
1: It is. It's it's an amazing thought, and there is a lot of stories that actually come out that relate to this. And people believe that this is happening. And there's there's a lot
2: of theories. I mean, there are real world theories as well, like mm. memory DNA or time and space or parallel worlds or reincarnation. You know, there's lots of explanations. But yeah, I mean, either you're a believer or you're not. I mean, my husband's like it's (laughs) (laughs) probably. And I and I'm a total believer. I'm like, no, this happened. And how would she possibly know? And you know all of
1: this. Do you know what? I get really strange um, sort of nostalgic feelings around certain things. And I've always, always had this weird like in the back of my mind that it could be something to do with that. But I've never explored it. But I've always got that little feeling that certain things that make it trigger this. And it definitely triggers some sort of feeling, whether it's a it's a it's a connection to that or not. I don't know. Um, but it's it's definitely something that sparks the imagination. So yeah, I,
2: exactly. Either way, it was meant to be a good story. It was meant to be you mm. know, um, yeah, enjoyable and, and, and I don't mind that it's a bit silly. And of course, I knew I was going to get a few one star reviews telling me, you know.
1: <laughs> well, let's have a look. at. I was going to talk about this a bit later on, but let's have a little look about the reviews on this because under you, in, your name right now, and I'll explain what this means a bit later on, but under your name right now, you've had three books out and yeah. the first book had 73 reviews. The next one had hundred and eighty-one reviews and then yeah. the, the other girl has had two thousand plus reviews. So and, and a lot of those are absolutely fantastic, which I'll which I'll go through three of them now. And there's a reason why I've picked three and not two. Um the first one was this book this book blew me away. Edith and Declan's Mysterious Tale was eerie and emotional and my heart was in my throat and I was uh as I raced through to uncover the truth, five stars. But then the next one is so is such a contrast to that. Um, It says, such a disappointing read. I was looking forward to reading this, but would not recommend. Very poorly written about uh, with absolutely no depth to the story. One star. How does someone who, obviously, again, we'll talk about your other sort of uh, character name now uh, in a minute, who's got reviews, deal with people like this? Because I'm uh, fairly new as an author, and there's plenty of fairly new authors that listen to this show. When you know you are getting amazing review after amazing review, and you're pleasing so many people when you get someone who writes like this and clearly doesn't agree with the 90% 99% of the rest of the population how does that do you get, do you kind of put that to the side or does that affect you do you know what i mean
2: i think lots of i mean first of all some authors just don't read their reviews and thanks by the way for keeping that graphic up for a really long
1: time. <laughs> sorry i'll, put, I'll, I'll up. There's always enough an afterwards, don't worry about it. You
2: know, like, don't check. Just, um, <laughs> very triggering. Um, I don't. I actually, I do read my reviews. I don't think my reviews are for me. I think they mm. are for my readers, and they're nothing to do with me. I never would think of responding. I wouldn't have, you know, opinion. Um, but obviously, privately, I speak, you know, I know some of their names. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that they have given five stars to their thermal slippers. Oh, yeah. I do know that they hated my book. Um, it. I mean, obviously, it hurts. It's. It's horrible. I think the worst is not so much the kind of sounds awful. but like if they're really extreme and just so nasty, then you just have to go. Do you know what? They're, mm. they're just, it wasn't for them. You know, this was. I mean, it's reached a lot of people, which I should be grateful for. Yeah. And if they just didn't get it, you know. The, and I think that the worst thing about this is my most helpful review on Amazon is a one star review. It was my uh. one star review. It came after like amazing reviews and 70 something people found it helpful but what's wow. annoying about it is it's wrong like it's actually yeah actually, it says it's um a Mills and Boone type. <laughs> I was like what
1: do you know what this is something I was, I was I was <laughs> trying to th- think about the other day and I was gonna email someone or ask for advice because I've got exactly the same issue. That I've got all these great reviews, and if you look at the top reviews in America yeah. and the UK on my book, it's got like these two-star reviews. I'm thinking I've got all these great reviews. Why is this showing? But it's just obviously a, a common so theme.
2: Because they're most helpful. So actually, joking aside, if you do want to get rid of that, you mm. ask your friends to go and helpful. Other good reviewers
1: uh, I She's see.
2: Got, this one star review has got because she was a Vine Voice, because she was an Amazon reviewer, mm. she
1: has
2: those of people that follow her Amazon reviews. So she got 70 people that just said, This is helpful, this is helpful. Um, so yeah, it's her, it's it's annoying when you're like, this just isn't right. And actually, what what got worse was that then some people badly reviewed it, saying, I bought this because I wanted it to be a Mills and boon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So you you were misrepresented by a bad review and then you got bad reviews because of that misrepresentation. I mean,
0: it's, it's, you
2: know, I don't mind it. What I do find really helpful with reviews, I I do read them all and I really, I read them in a kind of rough way, but you do get themes. There is no doubt, you know, that you can start to go, maybe my ending does drag or maybe my beginning Mm. is slow if 10 out of 100 people are like, yeah, you have to kind of stick with this book, but, you know, you then go, okay, well, maybe for my next book, I should look at that and I should make sure that, you know the beginning really hooks them in. Um, I know that the ending of this book has just worked because so many people have commented on it, and I'm like, great, brilliant. Um, I thought yeah. it did, but it's really nice to read. But to be honest, I, you know, it's it, it. What's weird is when they just don't get it, and you do feel like going. But but you know, but and yeah, so Vince Stevenson's great comment. You know, I mean, everyone. Yeah, opinions are like arseholes. Everyone's got yeah. one. You know, it's just and and also you have to remember that you know people read books and particularly I mean I write romantic comedy as well and people read mm. a very easy read i I turn the page I finished it in a day and they make the terrible assumption that that is easy to write it's such a stupid assumption <laughs> just just be, I mean I used to have people coming up to me because I used to be a teacher and they'd be like oh yeah I'm thinking of just like churning out one of those books you write and I thought yeah go on then it took me yeah see how it goes unpublished you you crack on you see how you get because you everyone loads of people can write but hmm. what they can't do is structure a book. And that's what you learn as a writer. You learn how to get someone into a story, how you structure a story. Um, and I find that just i find that just silly, you know, when they're like, this is just bad, you know, it, it's not, you know, it's, it's just, it's actually not badly written.
1: <laughs> well, I didn't mean to leave that review lingering, but this is why I wanted to put it in there just to show the yeah. contrast. And, um, you know, I've had people on Goodreads, Goodreads. before that have, sorry?
2: Yeah, no, all my one-star reviews have often come and they are a direct contrast to the one above. So yeah, yeah. Like properly, like I hated the ending and then it's like, I love the ending. And you're yeah. like, I can't learn from this.
1: <laughs> I know, it's it's crazy. And I've, I've seen this with my own book on uh, Goodreads that someone had left exactly the same as you're saying, a really great review and then a t- horrendous one. And then out yeah. of curiosity to to have received that as a first sort of criticism, looked at the other reviews that person's left and seen they yeah. were like a serial hater. Yeah. So I'm thinking, you, you know, there's there's those no sort of people out there. But so someone I has said I about
2: a on my book that's not published yet. No one's mm. read it. no one's read it in the world. And Goodreads has has already someone's two star reviewed it, and they've <laughs> read it. And it's that's like, got to be
1: that's, that's got to be opposition, really, right?
2: They're just a horrible human being. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Someone trying to win the charts. That is. Um, so uh, going from that terrible review that someone's clearly left, and mm. you know the m- very very small minority, then you get to this review. Another five star, utterly compelling, had me glued uh, to the pages late into the night, absolute, an absolute stunning read. So, you know, there's, there's people that absolutely love this and a very tiny person that's left a kind of a negative review. So my, my kind of uh, angle about talking about this was I think people often tend to hang on to the very tiny negative mm-hmm. criticisms we do get as opposed to the massive amount of, you know, 2,000 plus reviews you've had. And they're ninety nine point nine percent absolutely amazing for this book. Well,
2: they've got
1: four point two. They're still amazing for that many reviews because uh, the one thing I noticed that the more a book is successful and the more popular the author is, yeah. the more criticism they get.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, there are two things that will cheer you up. One, go and look at all your favourite authors and go and look at their one-star reviews. And two, I actually said this, there was an author getting really down about it the other day, and it was actually really depressing because she really does forget, get depressed about it mm. and can't forget them. Whereas I don't, I just, they genuinely are, they are. They amuse me sometimes, or I just think, say la vie. But she, I said to her, go onto Amazon and go and filter just your five-star reviews and just go and read them because... Mm. It's incredible, like in the same way that perhaps, you know, I mean, they're probably some of them not true. <laughs> so it's so nice just to be told, I loved this. And particularly, yeah. when it's like, I stayed up late. That's when I do go, okay, you really did love it because mm. you're telling me that you genuinely wanted to go to sleep. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think when people say that, you do think, okay, cool. That did, that is, you know, that's good.
1: It is fantastic. So the as we mentioned earlier, that you've written this this gone down this sort of supernatural, almost supernatural sort of vibe of writing. But uh, you mentioned that you write also a kind of lighthearted comedy. Um yeah, uh, under the name oh, of Rosie Blake. Jenna uh, Clock Club. Yeah. So this book um That's not it's,
2: got many
0: reviews.
1: <laughs> hello, hello funny, that's my that's my son there. Um it's not got many reviews. Uh okay. But there are good reviews for this book. Very good. So this book um is the not the first one under this name either is it
2: no it's the
0: fifth yeah yeah
1: so these books came a lot earlier than yeah. your books currently in the cd major so why was there a change in pen name for a start was this to do with the change in genre yeah okay
2: yeah so um i actually i actually published within a year um so i got a, a deal as Cheska major as I was then, I've become CD major. Um, And I became, and Rosie Blake was at the time, and basically because I write such totally different things, you know, I write things that are based on true historical events that are normally quite sad or quite creepy,
0: Hmm.
2: um, and I I base uplifting, gorgeous, love, romantic love, family, friendship, community, those kind of books um, that are unashamedly sort of often silly and uplifting it just you couldn't possibly sell sell them as the same thing yeah Um, so rosie blake was born so rosie blake is like this next door sounding you know girl you all want to like and hang out with um she's kind of she's kind of old me when i was vaguely cool i used to work in tv when i was in my early 20s Mm. and used to go out and have a life and (laughs) (laughs) he made just like library me who's like a teacher (laughs) i
1: love that you've got a (laughs) full-on alter ego with it you're like a superhero
2: (laughs) exactly um so yeah that's how it came about and I just write the light to the dark to the light and I love it and I Mm. I keep meaning to give one up and then I I just don't I just keep so I'm actually I'm just starting a new well I say it's uplifting it's actually really emotional and
1: Mm.
2: um, quite brutal but um it's
1: Ooh. so is that is that another direction you're going in or is that just something that's evolved
2: it's so stressful. Um, I'd love it to be a Rosie Blake book, but I don't think it is going to be. Um, because it's just it's about it's sort of um yeah, it's a big emotional, um, family book. In the sort of same mm. vein as David Nichols Us, which lots of you might have um watched um on
0: T V
1: recently. Love that.
2: It's about dysfunctional family, essentially. Um, um,
0: yeah.
1: So you, you mentioned yeah, sorry, you mentioned that your are a schedule uh, sort of with CD Majors books recently. I mean, and Rosie Blake's books were over sort of a longer period. And your book release schedule was all this year, August, July and September. So mad. It was, why, was, yeah. why was that structured in that way?
2: So not deliberately.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um,
2: this is what happens in publishing. So I wrote The Gin O'Clock Club. So I've got twins who are two next month. And mm-hmm. I wrote The Gin O'Clock Club just before they were born and it was meant to come out when they were like four months, I think, or something like that. Um, and then suddenly the publisher was like, we're gonna move it right by, by year um, for no reason. <laughs> no, <laughs> wow. going to give it loads of space and it's a great book. So they moved it by year and then a similar book came out. So mine was meant to come out in April and then a similar book came out. So they moved it to August. So basically mm-hmm. that's what happens in publishing are just at the mercy of timing. So the Gin Clock Club ended up coming out Instead of a year and a half before the other girl, it five days I think was.
1: <laughs> wow.
2: It was bonkers. So I was like, I'm trying to promote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Books. I mean,
1: promoting's sad enough for, for one thing, at, you know, at a yeah. time. So that must have been a, quite a tricky thing. Yeah, I, I mean, mean
2: it's, it's been useful. I've kind of hijacked. I kind of went on to talk about the other girl, and then ended up like just shoving in a bit of Rosie. <laughs> so,
1: so we talked briefly about the fact you were um, published by Amazon, sort of.
2: Uh, yeah, their crime imprint the
1: crime imprint so is that are you still signed by amazon for uh, rosie's ca- um character uh you know persona yeah
2: um if i was i would probably have more reviews
1: <laughs> okay okay so is that done like a self published route separately i'm
2: with little brown which is right, a okay. publisher so very much um so sphere which is um yeah little brown company which is Hachette. Mm. so that's a traditional deal um whereas amazon Is sort of a traditional setup but of course you have the weight of the amazon sort of ebook machine yeah which is absolutely incredible as you can imagine world domination well i've never Um, had this i've I've written 10 books and i've bumped into two people in the last few weeks and when i when they said oh you know what you do did i said oh i'm a writer um they've said oh well i've heard of you." and i say um and they go oh i've just bought that book and i've (laughs) never had that yeah i was like that blew my mind. I was like, the system works. This is insane. <laughs>
1: is your is your book sh- in stored in any shops anywhere?
2: It is in the US because Amazon okay. has stores, but it's I mean you can order it, you can go into WH, mm. go into Waterstones, but you know, for very obvious reasons they don't stock Amazon books, which I completely support. Yeah. You know, it's it's yeah, we are the enemy in many ways. But um Well,
1: I think traditional publishing in that in that respect, I mean you take so much on and there's so much risk by doing in that way where you bring all these books in and hope to sell them. I think it's, yeah. it's so risky and it's not really a, a modern way. I don't think. Um, yeah. It's,
2: it's so hard. Everyone just, everyone's hustling for the same space. It's so, yeah. you know, you've got eBooks, you've got audio. I mean, the other girl will have mostly, I, I can't remember how many paperbacks I've sold, but the eBook will way outstrip it. You know.
1: Can we have a little talk about, I mean, you mentioned that the fact you had a TV career a bit earlier on in your lifetime, why you started writing and i believe i read somewhere that you actually uh spent a bit of your time writing while you were supposed to be working with tv i mean was that frowned upon at the time or or, or, and where did it come from in the first place
2: when did you read that? That is true, because I, I did use to print, oh, I used to use the printer, because it's like the old days. <laughs> send, I remember sending like your you know your letter, your 30 pages of a book, yeah, that's expensive. So I used to, yeah, I probably owe Endemol a bit of money. Um, <laughs> I used to print it out. I used to work on deal or no deal and stuff, and I used to print it out on their printer. Um, wow. And you'd send it off, you'd go to the post office and you'd send it off, and then you'd get the depressing, the whole lot would come back as a rejection. Like, oh
1: That's amazing. Um,
2: yes, yeah, so I started, I mean, I suppose quite late because some writers are like, oh, I always wanted to write, and mm. I did it. I always wanted to work as a TV presenter, and that was my big dream. And I did work as a TV presenter, a very bad TV presenter, when I was <laughs> in my early 20s. Um, and I did like Price Drop, and Beard, and Gala Bingo, and like all the, all the good stuff. And um, when I was in TV, of course, you have massive gaps of unemployment um, when you're in the early days. And I started to write and I was writing, I suppose, um, comic stuff kind of again. Do you remember like when you used to go on holiday and used to send like. Chain emails to your friends, you know, and be like, "Oh, I'm uh, in Greece, and I thought I would, ha ha ha," you know. <laughs> um, and I got quite good feedback. You know, people were like, "These are funny. Like, I'm I'm enjoying yeah. hearing about your holiday." And I got kind of hooked on that. And I always, you know, loved. I wrote a play at uni. I wrote a pantomime at university. Mm. So I think I came at it from a really kind of comic angle, really. And then I got hooked on. I wrote a book, and then realised. I didn't understand why no one wanted to publish it. I was like, what's what's wrong with it? Hmm. And I knew it was wrong, but I couldn't, I didn't have the skills to see why. Um, And now, of course, I look at it and think, oh my, you know, I'm so embarrassed that I ever sent it out into the world (laughs) and thought it was acceptable. Um, But it was what I talked about earlier, which is I didn't know how to structure a story. So it was Hmm. just endless, you know, good writing, but just endless Boring, you know, scene after scene, it didn't go anywhere. And I was 135,000 words long, which is about 55,000 words more than any other rom com I've ever written. So,
1: there's yeah. a few comments coming in about the printing side of things here. Uh, <laughs> Anya said she did the same thing at work, used the printer nice. for drafts. um uh, Phil Decay said he's done the same. And the writing druid, uh, I got my mother to print it for me at her <laughs> work. <laughs> so, love, love, I love the mother utilization there fantastic get get here in trouble not you that's clever thinking um but brilliant yeah so i mean no i used it's... to worry
2: actually on the deal on noticed thing i did worry because my friend said do you realize that if you print this off here they own if you work on it on their computer they own the intellectual rights to it? no way and i was like is that true and she was like yes I was like, oh <laughs> God. so basically i become jk they could go back and look at like if i ever wrote anything on their server
1: wow um <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, I wrote half my dang novel at work too when there was downtime. Well, uh, and
2: they own your novel, so take that off, that can work. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so, so when you were looking into this sort of, uh, you know, the quest of finding out why they weren't publishing this work that you'd yeah. written, what was your process? Was it, okay, I'm going to be driven and find out why and learn from this? And was it a self-learning process?
2: Yeah, so um, I didn't take a course, and I didn't do—I mean, I didn't do English A level. I did history. I did history at university, mm. so I, I could write. But I, again, it comes back to I didn't—I didn't read loads. So I yeah. read a lot in my genre. I wrote. I so I used to break down novels a lot. So I used to just go right. Okay, let's look at, you know the structure of sophie kinsella how is she doing it how is she telling this story so i would write the chapters and just simply one line basically you end up with a chapter outline you know you just write one line of what that chapter does you know becky goes to x spends money set chapter two becky falls out with her mom you know and you can see the shape of the story and then i did also go and target books where they did something really well and i wanted to see how they'd done it so i went i remember reading jilly cooper and reading specifically looking at the hero and heroine and all their interactions because she always writes men that you just want to have sex with (laughs) why do you always want to have sex with these people um so i basically found out why um and yeah just and then looked at a couple of novels i hadn't enjoyed and thought what have they done that hasn't kept me sort of interested and wrote broke down movies things like that Um, and then basically just started to try to apply it to my own work and It was really just through trial and error i mean i wrote i think three books before the fourth one i think became the first Mm. rom-com and then i wrote a fifth book that became my first sort of serious you know Cheska book um but yeah i I did go on a couple of like weekend courses i've been on a screenwriting course recently and things like that which i love but you don't have to go on a course you don't have to have an ma you know it it actually breaks my heart when people think you do Mm. um but it did take me a very long time to get published i suppose you know 10 years one book, I suppose, is quite long, but equally, there are others that it takes 15, 20, yeah, of a course, lot of time you know to publish anything.
1: I mean, it's a massive lesson there that you can everyone can learn from the fact that there's so many people that haven't written or haven't done a course or haven't done this or that that think they're not entitled to write mm. when absolutely you should be writing, regardless. Yeah. And the second thing that you just mentioned that someone like myself really should be putting into practice is reading certain books for certain reasons, not just you know occasionally reading something for the sake of it uh but to, to try and learn a bit of a lesson from it as well I think it's a fantastic tool for anyone listening that once is getting into writing or is like myself who is writing who just isn't doing that so I think that's a fantastic lesson
2: TV, you know I mean I remember watching 24 backwards mm. to do thrillers because they're brilliant at the twist the sudden conflict you know they they t- it just changes on a pin you know and it's yeah, it's, it is. And, but also reading in your genre, I mean, I, I, I'm amazed. I got asked the other day by a wannabe writer who I ran a course and she said, I really want to write a children's book, but um, I don't, you know, I don't have any children. So, you know, I'm going to find out what kids like to read. And I just thought, you're not going to succeed in this. Yeah, There's people that write kids' books have mostly written them because they've read so many kids' books to their kids mm. that they've gone, do you know what? There's a hole in the market here. <laughs> this is the book that I think they should be reading and i think that's how most kids books probably get written is is often parents who go right what would i want mm. to read
1: um
2: well i hope so because i really want to write a kid's book when i'm older so
1: yeah definitely i mean I, i've got my uh, twins as well like you said you've got twins there but mine are uh, one that commented just now this 16 year old twins uh, so reading them bedtime stories has kind of gone out the window but my five-year-old little girl now she's definitely into stories she absolutely loves uh she said it on the podcast in season one the one time she's spoken on the show, she said she loves um, Julia Donaldson's uh, "The Snail and the Whale." Yeah, loves oh, that story, absolutely. and it is so such a simple, effective story, but the yeah. imagination's brilliant. She's so just, there's yeah, a
2: level. She is just incredible. That woman.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's so many books she's bringing out. It's incredible as well. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So, can we talk about your writing process? And I want to know: is the shed obviously a big factor in that?
2: Well, oh my God! I mean, when you have a global pandemic, then yeah. Thank actual. I mean, <laughs> three kids in the house. It was yeah, lovely. but um, yeah. I mean, it is. I do. I used to not obviously have. I mean, this was my husband's DIY shed, which I took over. But um, I used to not. I used to have a bit of a grubby desk, and I. But I do think when you have a workspace, even if it hmm. is a desk in the corner of a room, if you can try and keep it tidy and nice and pleasant, so when you sit down, you're like, oh, yes, yeah. I enjoy this. I like being here. Um, I do think it helps. Um, but yeah, my writing process, um, it does work now really around childcare. I used to work around my full-time job. So I'm used to working in sort of bursts really. And personally, I do think that, I don't think that many writers, you can't write for eight, 10 hours a day. It's, mm. I don't think, you know, maybe you can have the odd day where you do that. but You can't, I think it's a waste of time. Like you probably could do three, four hours of really good work um so actually i was interviewing um john grisham as you do um, <laughs> amazing because for henry literary festival um last week and he writes from he gets up really early goes to his lovely writing shed and he sits there from i think he said it was something like 7 30 to 11 30 so
1: wow that? yeah and
2: it sounded magical he was like i take my coffee and i walk down my garden and i go in i'm not allowed my phone i'm not allowed wi-fi and i write and then i leave and then i get on with my day and i was like that is dreamy and actually that's what we should all be doing um if we could but um i do i do ban i have turned off wi-fi i've got apps that turn it off i don't bring my phone in if my phone has to be here then it goes on top of the shelf because i can't mm. control myself because we're all addicted i'm addicted um and i do i use this um oh where's my? I use okay hand.
1: okay an old school timer
2: Old school timer and I set it and I tend to do the Pomodoro technique, which is kind of, I think it's, t- well, it's my made up one, 20 minutes on, 10 minutes off. I think it's meant to be five minutes off, but no. Nah. Um, so 20 minutes on, 10 minutes off, and I literally tick them off on a list. Um, I often leave work in the middle of a paragraph or a sentence because then the next day I just reread it and I tend mm. to be able to pick it up again, which I like. But yeah, I pretty much arrive at my desk as it was the day before and then just read through what I did, maybe correct it, and then just keep going, but desperately try not to check what I'm right. So phone. you
1: almost light edit as you go along, as you come back and check on that.
2: Very light edit. Mm. I try not to worry about the big stuff. So mm. if I think I'm going really wrong, I will return, to because I do do a chapter outline, so I am a, a writer that likes an outline. Um, I do go and look at it and say where what could i do and should i should i actually stop writing and actually look at this and rejig something if i really feel yeah wasted and i'm starting to really go off
1: my there, there was plan. a guest that we had on the car apologies can't remember who it was at the time uh my memory is amazing uh that said um to finish writing when you're writing really well and at the time we were like what, what do you mean but obviously that is that if you're in the zone and you're writing well to leave at that point would make you really want to go back to it and yeah. if you get into a bit of a slump and you're not feeling things and, and you leave there, you kind of have a negative experience that way. So that's a, a really positive tool.
2: I think that's really interesting. And I think mm. it's, so, I mean, the blank page is so terrifying. And I do think if you can, even if you start, like if you are in a good place, you can start the sentence of the next chapter. I think that would help. I just, there is something about, yeah. Or just the not knowing. So some people just need, I think people worry that daydreaming or staring out of a window is not writing. And that's certainly something I find with kids. I feel really guilty, you know, sometimes when I'm literally just sitting in a chair <laughs> having a cup of tea. Oh,
1: amazing. So that
2: is when you're you're going right, okay, I'm about to write this morning. Where did I leave it yesterday? What's gonna happen? you know, you you it's really valuable. Like
0: mm. we've
2: been in the shower and we've had that insane idea, for me it's in the car. I find that when I drive, I suddenly am like, oh God, that's what it should, you know, that's what I should do. <laughs> But I don't give myself much thinking time, and I think as a writer, most writers should give themselves more time to just ask, like, "Oh, is that the right route, or shall I make a different decision at that point, or what would happen if that character sort of had a role in it, or can Mm. I? Like, is that a bit easy? Maybe there's more conflict in that scene, or you know, just those questions that you should be maybe stopping and checking in with yourself uh, a bit. Is you know, have I lost my theme? Yeah. How about character? You know, what happened
0: to that character I
1: wrote about in chapter four that hasn't come back? <laughs> I think I think Anya's impressed with the shed. She said, uh just commented she shed. Um which I like that you know, it's like a man version of a version <laughs> of the man cave, so you got a she shed. Um and the writing jury had also popped back on saying, Is there something you have with you in order to write, like a good luck charm? Um a nanny. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. I mean, a trampoline with a net and a zip. Uh, <laughs> lock him in there. Um,
2: oh, that was the best 60 quid I spent at the start. Yeah. Um, yeah, childcare. Child, I mean, it sort of sounds, oh, no, I don't have a ritual. I do have, like, a candle that I never light. Um, I mean, my shed, I'm not my own. If I could show you this, it's just a mess all around me. Um, but when I am ready, I, I will. So I'm going to start a book on November 1st. So I'm going to do remote. Remo.. I will, this will look beautiful. This shed will be beautiful. The candle will be lit. The key <sighs> machine. So the music, will the classical music will be playing. I can't do lyrics. Um, the little, you know, everything will just look clean. There won't be yeah. spirals around. Um, it will, it will look pimped up, ready for a nice, fresh new book.
1: I'm interested in the, in the fact you said you can't do lyrics because the music conversation is something that I've sparked off many a time on the show. And that's because when I wrote my first two books or my, my two books that I've written, I couldn't do it without putting on my hoodie and playing a certain playlist. And it's the exact playlist I've writ- uh, played every single time. And it yeah, doesn't no, get boring.
0: Do that. You're such freaks.
1: Um, but it's it's not, it's not got, it has got lyrics, but they're very unnoticeable. Um, but okay. someone said, they, they commented and said they play like rock music and techno and stuff. When they're writing, I was like, how, how is that possible? Just, um, so I... you have no music at all, uh, no lyrics at all. You can't. You just no, have no. a th- I mean
2: this I'm gonna this is why I'm so happy with kids is I have genuinely have something that is called selective hearing where if you're concentrating on something yeah the background noise fades away which is incredibly helpful when you have children mm. um, so when I'm concentrating on my work I genuinely can't hear anything <laughs> um, so it's pointless I mean music's almost pointless to me because I'm meant to be writing so mm. I do play something that isn't distracting but it's quite a nice mood. But yeah, it's not related to the book. It's literally just classical music because I quite, I've like the older I get, the more I'm like, oh, that's quite
1: nice. I'll shove that on. I, I do find that. music, though, can be seriously sort of emotional and um, thought-provoking. You know, certain musics, and especially classical, you look at, um, what's his name? I'm going to forget, aren't I? Uh, he does all like the Batman music, uh, Hans Zimmer. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. the sort of music that he creates is just absolutely inspiring, Certain uh, certain sounds and and be a I'm real not, powerful tool I'm not
2: sort of intelligent enough to work out you know, what mood i need and i should play
1: that. <laughs> when so we're cool. talking about mood um annie's got another great question which i don't know what kind of mood she's talking about about putting you in the mood but annie said i agree that um it might imagine oh, imagination is that supposed to say that can help uh, do you have any rituals to set to set you oh my god i've i've forgotten how to speak um <laughs> I agree that imagination can help. Do you have any rituals to set the mood? A cup of tea or X?
2: I mean, I'm not sure what the X is, but. Is it an X? Uh, that's boys, awkward. Boys. I have tea. I have um, secret snacks, which um, actually Ooh. my little boy keeps finding, which is really annoying. I've got Frera Rocher, like a tap Okay. Around the place. Chocolate fingers. I got busted with them the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just know. I mean, cup of tea. I I love it. I really do love it. I leave the house and it's literally. I mean, it's only fifteen feet. It's a tiny garden, but I just leave the house and it's like ah. Uh, and um, it is an office. It is lovely. Yeah, I'm really, I mean
1: so that does sound fantastic. And you you're painting a very British picture right there. You know, the little garden, a cup of tea, and some uh, Ferrero Rocher. But you know, it's fantastic. And um, I think my we talked about this before. My choice of snack was uh, jelly tots. Um. Right. And that's pretty much it. Oh, ages.
2: Mm. Oh, and they've are. got to go in the fridge. Ooh. Okay.
1: Yeah. Try that. Um Okay, another question from Mania. Would you ever do a writer's uh retreat or working vacation?
2: Um, what a great question, because mm. I am <laughs> Oh really? <laughs> Years ago, I was like, I really love the idea of writing a treat. And I looked them up and they're really expensive. Yes, they are. And they were often guided by people that I was like, I don't think I'm writing the books they're writing. So I literally was like, okay, well, I'll set one up. I'll ask a writer on it. So I asked Rowan Coleman, who's a great writer, women's fiction Uh author, and I got a house and I basically chipped in with three other wannabe writers. I was like, well, she's going to come and guide us. So you just all pay me like a hundred, you know, whatever it was, it was really cheap. It was like a hundred quid or like 150 quid for four days or something. And, um, and that was it. And I catered it and it oh was wow, the best. And so I do it two weeks a year now. I run one in March and October and my mum cooks. So I pay my mum, <gasps> she's, she's a caterer. So I pay her, she comes. So it's lovely and um and yeah and i and we write and it is i mean the words that get done there and the work that gets done wow is insane it is so inspiring because you sit around in the evening and you're all geeky because you all love writing so you're all swapping writing tips you know it's like this over dinner yeah if and then you can go do you know what guys i'm having a massive problem my book you know can i talk you through it and actually instead of getting oh god um you know someone's like actually yeah go on you know and people will chuck ideas at you and oh it's amazing well do you know what we recommend them
1: there were a few things that we really wanted to do on the show and obviously covid's put a barrier up against that and some of them were like you know go to writing conventions and vlog the whole experience there's some requests we've had that are just crazy as well (laughs) but one of the big things we were trying to do was get on a writing retreat that we could go on, me and Mister Hooley that is not here tonight, um, yeah. and v- kind of vlog the experience, you know, for the show and just um, have okay. a bit of a laugh. So we might speak to you about that at some point.
2: Tag and me up. Yeah. yeah, they are great. I mean, there are so I mean, there are a few, but there's not actually that many. And actually, I keep meaning to run a reading retreat where people just oh wow sit and read a book, you know. And yeah, that would be fantastic. Sit, you know, just sit around reading. Um, yeah, they're so lovely. I think anything where you're removed from the day-to-day and you're removed from making the decisions about oh I haven't gone shopping or what's for dinner tonight or when that's removed it is incredible it's a real luxury it's just they wake up we cater everything so they just come along they eat food then they go to their room they write it's just amazing it's yeah they're, they're brilliant
1: Anya wants to rent a beach house with an ocean view and write, which sounds kind of cool but also sounds like the start in my head instantly of a horror film uh yeah isolated beach house yeah
2: and also because some people do um, there's a really expensive one called Chez Castillon which is in France and those of my writer friends do that and I just think I can't think of anything worse because there's yeah cool, there's like sunshine and we're I'm we, not we're writing in the UK we go to Somerset we have a lovely time. it's beautiful we have like one walk a day maybe if, if you can be bothered um, but the point is that you're writing, and I, I couldn't do it with a sun lounger and a swimming pool. I, just, I think that's
1: because in Britain, we don't really get that opportunity often. So we're like, wow, well, awesome. sun. And, yeah, you know, exactly. like, yeah, a swimming pool, come on.
2: There's no way I'll stay in my room in the house and write. There's just no way. Yeah. So yeah, I've never been tempted to do one abroad. Um, but I love a view. Um, and yeah, I'm going away, in, or hopefully going away in Cornwall um, for three days with three other writers. And she's just wow. renting the house. I And we're just going yeah, to pay her money and we're all going to do one meal a night. Um, mm-hmm. I just can't wait. And With a I couple of wines.
1: We're done. So we're in Cornwall, do you know?
2: Um, down by Seneca. Seneca. Is it Seneca Cove or Sene, Sennen Cove? That's it, it rings a bell. Yeah, it's right at the bottom, I think. And yeah. Down by, down by St
1: Ives. Down there. Yeah, we've, we've uh, been to St Ives a few times and we stayed there last February. Oh. And we live near a seaside town now and we assumed that, you know... Although we were going in February, it's because our, our wedding anniversary, we thought it would be really quiet and dead. And it was actually some of the best nights that we've ever had. Um, and the pubs yeah. were heaving and bouncing on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. It didn't matter. In February. Yeah. Um, incredible. Amazing yeah. place. Yeah, uh, Finney's jumped back on. Hello. Um, he said, where's Hooli? Uh We spoke about the start of the show. We don't know. Um, no one knows where Huli is. And if someone could find out, I'd be appreciative because hopefully he's okay um i couldn't tell you <laughs>
0: so
1: it's it's crazy um why have we got that on there oh okay so we've got um a little segment in the show called a new writing community family member where we welcome someone uh that is perhaps not very well followed but is a writer and engages with twitter so what we do with this person seska is we plague them with uh a gif so okay. everyone that's listening, watching, can plague them with a GIF. Now, we let the guests choose what that GIF is. Okay. So do you have something in mind that we can plague this person with a GIF?
2: What, as in one word?
1: It can be anything. We've had uh, stingrays before, um, <laughs> dragons. Okay. uh mm-hmm
2: oh okay um what about ghosts
1: (laughs) oh i love it so halloween right guys on the on the chat and right now myself in fact i'm gonna go and do this so let me check up on the screen our new writing community family member this week and have i still got the video we did a video for this moving up in the world oh did we no we didn't do that uh wicked so let me check this up on screen so Queen. uh which is at Sophie and Queen One. So please send her some gifts of ghosts. And she has 190 followers. And hopefully, last week we jumped, managed to jump up quite a lot uh, very quickly with this person. That's
2: so nice because so, then they start chatting to people, like minded people.
0: It's brilliant.
1: I know, but we like to get people engaged and involved with this show. So I'm right now, so if on the podcast or if you're listening, uh, if I'm very little bit quiet right now, it's because I'm finding this person.
2: Um, it's, also, it's also a beta reader isn't it you find and what i found so i joined i was a blogger and i joined a group and we ended up you know finding beta readers on twitter and things like that where someone was like oh i'll read your book go on then you know you read mine i'll read yours and it was so brilliant you know yeah such a well, great th- community when you can find people and you guys Do you are know great writers lifts and your writing community it's brilliant oh i'm gonna see
1: <laughs> oh how scary should we go with this because there's some scary ones on there um Oh, go on, and and you can quote WCCS or at the, tag the writing show because you might get very confused otherwise. Um, <laughs> but honestly, the whole the whole reason behind this entire show is to repay the writing community for the help that they gave me initially. Because when I started writing, I didn't know a thing. I wasn't someone who kind of grew up writing or you know wanted to write. It just kind of happened out of kind of um, I guess. Uh, circumstances you know of a lost family member that kind of inspired me to want to do something and there was a nagging thing in the back of my head that said writing so the writing community on twitter was a real boost people helping people beta readers and like you said everything
2: yeah, everybody
1: had help and it was just the so much information
2: corner of Twitter, by, like, yeah. a million miles like, absolutely still- genuinely supportive and i think that carries on i hope that certainly does with published authors yeah because we've all been there we all know we've all all been everybody you know it's just it's so hard and even as a published writer you get rejection all the time still and one star reviews
1: so so let's talk about that little process that's a little process process a little bit um when you're sending stuff off I, i imagine when you first do it you're really keen and eager to get a response but i have heard often that it takes a long long time um and often you get many many rejections so uh, did you go down that process and how many re- did you get a few rejections and was your sort of confidence at that point were you doubting had, doing it at all
2: oh I had loads of agent rejections I mean I've actually been rejected by the agent that signed me I think for three books I don't know why I carried wow.
1: on,
0: you know, just to <laughs> it.
2: um but um and actually again it was through Twitter that I saw she was looking for something specific I was like oh great that's what I'm writing um, so it's also incredibly helpful to follow, you know, literary agents and um, yeah, particularly in your in your genre or that, that write similar stuff. Um, but yeah, I you still do. It's up to you how much rejection you sort of want to carry on. So, for instance, obviously when you have a book out on submission with your agent, it goes to publishers. Um, it's up to you if you want to hear like all the nitty gritty of the, yeah. the why they hated it. I personally, again, I love it because I just think that's the one time where you don't get smoke blown up your ass and it's like actually this book i don't like this bit of this book and it's really helpful
0: <laughs> excuse me because
2: what happens in your when you sign a two book deal the worst thing when you when you hand in the second book is they didn't buy that book they bought your first book they loved yeah. the it and it's a really off putting thing when you're like here's my second book
0: please like um, it
2: they didn't buy it and so and you never know because they have to be quite nice and say oh it's very good you know yes very good very good like the first yes um you never quite know so i'm Mm. much more nervous about the thin place which is the one that's out next after the other girl inevitably because no you know no one bought it off the slush pile so it's something that i've produced that i've obviously ran through with them but basically you know i'm like until i get those reviews i won't know it was wow. success or not. And it's, it is, you still get really nervous about yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, things take forever. I mean, I've had things out on submission for, I remember one, my debut went out in September, and I remember we signed in April. So hmm. that's, you no, know, that's that's half the year of just waiting. Massive
1: time, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah,
2: it's stressful. Wow. And I've had deals that have fallen through. They're the worst where you have a meeting and everyone's excited about it and they're like, oh, you're going to be our book. And then it just goes quiet and you're like, What's that? Hmm. Our sales and marketing, you know, they don't really like it, and that's devastating. You know, when you get close, and I had that on my first book, and it was just—that's the only time I've really sobbed, proper tears. Was I? I I was so devastated. I just thought I'd never get published.
1: Could you ever see the other girls as a as a production, as a you know, cinema production or film?
2: Well, I've just had a meeting today. Wow. Yeah, I I've, I've had, had a very exciting meeting, which, of course, is always the most exciting moment because it's not gone wrong yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's um, I'm working with a co-writer who's a screenwriter who's amazing and um, she loves creepy stuff. And mm. yeah, we, we're, we, we are adapting. So we're just putting together this pitch, this treatment now. Um, and yeah, it went well. So we'll see. I mean, I you know, it's that that is like the dream. You know,
0: that's
1: that is super exciting, happened,
0: really. But, yeah you know, i
1: mean people have had you know books optioned and nothing happens but you know it's still that you're yeah. still on the at least got a step on the ladder i think that's
2: um, it. it's incredible just to have and, and you know things have really changed me in the last you know people take your calls you know, people take your meetings mm-hmm. and that's incredible and i'm still grateful for that that you know that, yeah I, I well mean, that's I, very I, exciting well, as I say, this is the most, like, you know, the second after the meeting before they say no is always the best. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, if you're going to, if that went down that like that route and you had to, they came up to you and said, look, who would you want to play your little, you know, your own character, the, the, the girl, would you have any idea? Because that's such a unique kind of yeah. role for someone.
2: So some people cast their books really interesting. Mm. They're like, oh, I could just see, I really don't do that. They are it's... completely imaginary to me. And actually, I find it weird to even think of a real person playing them because they're just, they're already people, they exist, they just exist in my head and they're fully formed. And even their physical traits are fully formed. So I find it odd. And I I think that's probably helpful because I'm not very precious. I think I could just hand over a book to a professional director cost and just say, I love this book. Please don't, you know, I really hope it's good. But basically, I think a, a TV series or a film is a different thing to your book. So I was talking, <laughs> I sound like such an idiot. I was talking to Jodie Pico last night, um, also interviewing her for Henley Festival. Um, I've had a really bonkers 10 days. And she obviously famously was kicked off the set of My Sister's Keeper, the movie, because they changed the ending of her book. And she has now, got, she's now agreed, massive creative control of her next book.
1: Wow. Um,
2: and that's really interesting. So I don't know, you know, whether if they wanted to change, I think I would just be like, well, that's a bummer. I think you're wrong. Um, Because my book's right, Mm. but I don't think you know. Because actually, the guy asked me in the meeting today. You know, what about changing the country? And I was like, yeah, fine. You know, if you can justify why, yeah, of course, fine. You know, I don't have a problem with that. Mm. So mostly because I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, (laughs) showing me, then I would like that. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's just a different world, and I worked in it. Obviously, you know, it's so collaborative. It's so it's a really, yeah, it's a different beast. There's so many people involved in that process. And that's what appeals to me about, you know, getting a book optioned and things because you suddenly work with other people. You do, it's really lovely. Mm. And you know, as a writer, as you know, it's very lonely. You know, it's um, yeah, of course, yeah. not, you, know, you are often in your shed and that's why the online community becomes
1: so mm. important. That's you why make- you should appear, uh, tune in to the Halloween party next Friday. Yeah. Because we'll all have a good time. Um, the writing jurid says, which would you prefer to be, Uh, a TV or a movie or TV show or movie out of your choice if you had the choice?
2: So I think 10 years ago I would have just been like movie, obviously movie but I think TV has just totally changed. I think TV is so exciting at the moment. I think you can do so many exciting things with structure. You can Mm. do any length of episode you can do recurring series and um, some of the streamers are just taking such a punt on like crazy television so for me i'm absolutely tv series all the way yeah is
1: there is there a favorite tv series of yours at the moment or is this something that really stands out
2: i'm loving love life um on okay BBC, is it bbc iplayer it's brilliant it's very the dialogue's hilarious i never normally say things are really funny but it's so funny okay it's very uncomfortable at times um which is brilliant like awkwardly you're like please don't do this oh god you have you know um it's yeah it's brilliant and i love normal people and i loved us as well
1: yeah i have to check that out um yeah, okay
2: i do, do love life. even my husband is, mm.
1: is
0: converted and he I, has
1: no do you want to quickly answer some writing community questions because we like to do this on the show as well yeah. and it's questions i pulled from the community again giving back to to the guys and highlighting them um and just trying to you know give a broader answer to their questions and the guys on who are watching this guys and gals um we do have a lot of americans so please pitch in with your answers to this because i'm going to need your help and it's from someone called green destiny zero 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 um a quick question for you for peeps uh, who use american english would seeing british english in a piece of writing put you off or does it not bother you um any any answer to that
2: Well, I mean, I read both, you know, books out in the US and and it never bothers me when I read Mm. American English. And so therefore I assume that no one in America would be bothered about the other way around. So, I mean, I don't think so. As long as you're into the story, maybe you would pause and just think, what is that? What's the equivalent? Sometimes there are a few words where American editors say no one in the US would know what that is. Um, But I think a a good story is a good story. I I personally don't think that would bother me.
1: I kind of agree with you there. I think if um, your book was out at that point, your editor, if you were tradi- traditionally published or you know went through a decent editor, they would have highlighted the fact that they might not understand that. So generally, I don't I think it's a massive issue.
2: I always say that Americans don't like swearing. And so I do take out all my swears because mm. apparently you guys don't like swearing.
1: But do I you know what? I I don't think... Uh, if that was the case, I'd take it out <laughs> because if my character was that character he's, and he yeah. needs to swear or she needs to swear, then they've it, got to swear. You
2: know, isn't it frustrating when people think you are your character? It's like, no, you know, I am not a racist. My character is a racist. <laughs> <laughs> it's what? like, well, I mean, I, actually, I've never had a racist character, but yeah, I know what you're saying. In the voice of your character, you're not purporting that opinion, you know? anyway.
1: Yeah. Uh, Linda says it doesn't bother her. Hello to you. Um, British British English doesn't bother me at all. I expect it from books in the UK. Obviously, that's yeah. a good point. If you buy in that area, then why not? Uh, hello, Mario. Uh, nice to see you in the house. Um, I love the use of UK or US English. Uh, yeah, why not? It's culture, isn't it? And if you um, if you're into sort of different cultures, why not? Why wouldn't you love it? It's I mean,
2: quite nice. Like it actually reminds mm. you that you are reading something that someone else yeah. the world is reading, and that's incredible. That is that is incredible. The power of you know, I mean, that yeah. blows my mind that I've got US readers, Australian readers, Canadian
0: readers. It's amazing.
1: You know, do you know the big the worst thing? For, not the worst thing is fantastic, but uh, um, what if the US character swears a lot? Well, yeah, I've seen plenty that's of US right. things. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mario left the meeting. Oh, yes. He's skiving to watch the show, I think. Um, well, oh, yeah, the, America, the podcast that we've got, say, the last time we checked was 41 countries that listened to this podcast yeah, so from incredible. places like Israel, Jamaica and, and Costa Rica and places we never imagined would even so want to tune into this show. So I yeah. completely understand when someone uh, reads your book. And in fact, that was my very first review where do you know when you first write a book and you get friends and family and you don't believe what they're writing yeah um the very yeah. first review that wasn't from that group was someone from america and that really made my day you know yeah so it is it's a fantastic thing um next question holly huntress uh at holly 5993 what what's a question you wish you could ask your favorite author
2: um whether they read my
1: book <laughs> <laughs> can you read my book please um <laughs>
2: Did you blurb my book? Um, actually, that did happen to me because my favourite author is Julie Cooper. Wow! And she is genuinely blurbed, blurbed my book. Like she literally touching and hilarious, Julie Cooper.
1: That is fantastic.
2: That was not joking, like all seriousness, that was genuinely. I think probably the career highlight of my life. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I just read everything she's ever written.
1: How How did you find out about that?
2: Well, it's a very long and detailed story about the fact oh. that I'm from the Jilly Cooper Book Club. It's yeah. Awesome. We're very strange. Um, and we only discuss her books. I mean, basically, we're super fans. Okay. And, um, we sent her an eight, uh, I sent her a hamper for her 80th. And in typical Julie Cooper style, she invited us all for lunch. Um, wow. And we met her. It was just amazing. So then a year later, when my book came out, I, I sent it to her and was like, hi, will you? <laughs> That's wicked. Um, so it was totally, yeah, it was incredible. But I couldn't believe she actually did. She yeah. a letter about it. And I was like, you know, this is amazing
1: yeah it's but fantastic yeah,
2: it was incredible and yeah you just want to know I think you often I mean you often just want to know what their process is I think you always want to know what everyone's process is you're mm. like how do you write a book how do you get better how do you yeah you just want to know the secret of success and I think you can always keep learning you can always learn different structures and you know think about character in a different way or mm. and I think that's why we're all obsessed with it because it's really hard it's, it
1: is it is um, we have got a couple, couple left, uh, and then we'll we'll adverti- advertise. I have lost my words tonight. Um, we'll <laughs> announce is the word I was looking for. The winner of the uh, book competition that we did on Twitter. Yeah. Oh,
0: that was
1: cool. Um, yeah, it was. There's a lot actually, and it was. Just, <laughs> we did a, a we did that tweet, and we had so many. We picked one, um, but after we picked it, and I announced the winner, they kept kept posting. <laughs> So I had so many people posting, and I said, look, it's, it's closed. I thought, okay, you know, we'll do another one. Um, but it's fantastic. Um, I great. need tequila. I don't that. think Anya hasn't mentioned it yet, um, and perhaps I do. That might help. Uh, okay, next question. NJ Cherry Blossom. It sounds like I'm getting some of the saucy uh, Twitter names out with here, isn't it? <laughs> At NJJ underscore author. Serious, serious question serious um is having themes like medicine and magic in a story all right or isn't or isn't recommended my intention is having medicine versus you know medicine versus magic story um That's medicine versus magic
2: i think i think what you're trying to say but do Write to us, if you don't, um, and you're I'm on Twitter by the way. If anyone wants to talk to me, I, I will chat. Um, so I think what you're saying is, should I ground it in truth or will it put author, you know, publishers off? I so much of this is, is publishers are not really brave about what they publish sometimes, so they think that you have to be quite straight in this genre and that you have to stay in your lane for that genre, and then suddenly you get a breakout book, so like, um, Sarah Pinbara's Behind Her Eyes, which was a thriller packaged as a thriller and it had an incredibly supernatural vibe or twist to it um, so I think I mean I would always say write what you want to write absolutely that's like the first mm. rule because you are that's what we all want to read is the new voice, the new person the new slant on what we haven't read yet but I understand why you're reticent because there is no doubt in my mind that you will have agents and publishers who will tell you I don't do fantasy and that sounds like fantasy to me so it's whether you become packaged as that kind of niche and you don't want to be, you know, you want to go and tackle something else in the real world in the next book. So I think you kind of need to look at what kind of writer you want to be and and try to stay within a genre as much as you can. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's a good answer, but
1: it's-, it's a fantastic answer. And I think if you look at even going back to TV series like. Netflix, for example, there's a lot of supernatural, a lot of magical type of shows now, and it's kind of the, the, the done thing at the moment as what's mm-hmm. appearing and what is being popular. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason not to. And I love what you said about writing what you want to read and what you want to write, because ultimately, if you end up writing something that you don't want to write because that's what you think should be written, you're not going to enjoy that process. Um, Yeah,
2: I've got um, a mentee on a a brilliant scheme called Black Girl Writers, and we just had a a meeting before this, and she's talked to an agent who's tried to take out a lot of what made her book, what she was excited about, and it's really hard. You know, I just said to her, look, you have to just look at why you did it and do you want to, you know, what kind of writer do you want to be and keep it if you want it in there, keep it. Because you know know why it's there as a writer. It's really hard because you want to fit in. Of course you do, yeah. I just fitted into a genre. I was like, I'm writing rom-com, there's loads of rom-coms, I know how I'm going to be packaged, it's easy. What I've done, which is much harder, is in the historical stuff, is to start to go a bit creepier. And this book was rejected by so many publishers. They were like, Mm. we can't publish it, it's got a supernatural, we don't do supernatural.
1: But that's a perfect example, because you look at the reaction that this book has got now. So, you know...
2: reviews say, oh, I, I haven't read something like this before, and that that just makes my heart sing, because that's why you, you don't want to go too far out of the genre, but you want to do something original. It's really hard.
1: Um, write what you want to write. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, Anya says she's working remotely so no drinking right now, and obviously the, the, they're ahead of, uh, behind us yeah. in time because of America. Yeah. Uh, Maria says Paul, Anya, no tequila, but she says, it's okay. I'm off work in 55 minutes, so the festival... Um, <laughs> festivities oh my goodness uh shall commence then uh she loves the tequila it's all good i can't wait for next week's show guys i'm honestly uh i'm very excited um it's gonna get messy uh the next question we've got a couple more questions and we're done uh i, I won't keep you much longer but uh hl brooks um which is at hl brooks war writes oh my goodness i can't speak at all um if you could be a vampire or a werewolf which would you be
2: but I would just choose not to do anything about it. So I just have the sexy um,
1: teeth not bite what, Well you can't not choose to do something about it. Well, no, I, I think, think vampires that. get like a serious urge that they have to have blood, isn't it? Isn't it's like a th-
2: Can't you just like live off raw steak and just be like
0: I don't think that's
1: how it works. <laughs> um,
2: I think vampires sound more in control, so I think I'd go with vampires. Werewolves to sound like
1: Well I thought when you say speak about in control that werewolves only become werewolves on a full moon.
2: So you could lock yourself away like that guy does in Harry Potter, doesn't he?
1: he it's just a long time away. where there's not a full moon. So you can just chill out for a yeah, while. and true. It's like yeah. just going out for a crazy night out and then going back to a normal person afterwards. I don't know. Um, okay, fair
2: enough. I could. Yeah, maybe, maybe a werewolf then. Mm.
1: But it's interesting that you said sexy vampire because there's a lot of, <laughs> think about that, that. A lot of people think sexy vampire desire. Yeah. Um, full body wax if I was a werewolf that would yeah, be an interesting absolutely. uh session wouldn't it I'd take a lot of wax um yeah. <laughs> sometimes you just need it uh well yeah but why is a vampire sexy that's what I'm trying to get at and I, I'm not sure it's kind of it bites you
2: it's something vampire. I've
1: never seen and never will How? uh out of I don't know hatred for what's popular I guess that's stupid of me but anyway no, not okay.
2: At all. I just think it was, it literally created a genre, didn't it? It, was it did. It was incredible, you know, and then you just had all the copycat ones. It was amazing.
1: And yeah.
0: Then
2: Fifty Shades of Grey proved how popular Twilight was because it was fan fiction for Twilight and it became the biggest seller in that genre. It was amazing.
1: Which is incredible the amount yeah. of work uh, they sold. Um, it's the most intimate kind of death. Uh, Halo, dis- Halo, d- if, well, is it sexy death or is it just uh, terrifying death? um yeah. that halo writes yeah I
0: are you into
1: I <laughs> are you into dark books um because halo is one of our um big fans and she's a fantastic indie author but what <laughs> i thought i'd written some dark scenes in my book um turned out to be child's play in comparison that to halo's book <laughs> uh in the second book well i haven't even got to anywhere near that yet so well,
2: wow I, don't, I mean i write quite dark stuff but i'm always surprised by it because i don't like reading it <laughs> it's like, mm. really odd i don't know
1: Old folklore said that you can cure someone from being a werewolf. Um B having their mother scold By them. Their
0: mother scold them.
1: Oh. Really? Um I've never heard that. But again, link in for ready for next week. Horror stories on the go, on the ready. Um <laughs> yeah, fire, well, p- Vampires are goth, goths are dark and seductive. I M H O, what does that mean?
2: In my honest opinion.
1: Oh okay. Down with down with the lingo. Toads. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Um, and I think we'll I think we we'll have to announce the winner of this competition now, which you amazingly selected for us. I did. Yeah. And this was the second part of a competition that we started at the start of the week. Um, we said we'll buy a book and we did, which was Steve, uh, who's one of our, and we didn't select this because Steve is one of our um, sort of Twitter followers and, you know, interacts with us, but his book has won some serious awards this year and it's the children's book which you might be interested in this as well. And it was very popular and it's got a lot of great reviews. So we thought we'd check it out. And my wife really wanted to choose that book out of the list. So we chose that book. But we had so many more um, uh, suggestions, we had to to pick more. So we have done. And this week's, uh, that's not that, uh, winner is um, Glenn J. Devlin at GJ Devlin. And the book is called The Alien Diaries. So congratulations to you. We will buy your book. And um we'll have a little look at that for you. So yeah. thank you for choosing that.
0: Was that. Fascinating.
2: And loads of them did. I loved it. There was one called was it the Where Violet or something that was also I, I was ooh, it was a close call.
1: Ooh, very close. Yeah, there's plenty of them. And we do I'll uh go and
2: read the rest of them. I'll go and read the other ones after yeah, we picked and go and have a look.
1: Yeah, Steve's book is wonderful. I loved it and I'm forty one. Um Well, I, you know, it looks fantastic, and Steve's book's so sweet. And as a teacher, I totally recommend it. So there's a lot of teachers going on around here, except for Mr. Hooley, who's not here. Uh, Glenn's book is great too, so there you go. That's um, oh, The Alien Diaries. So good, hopefully we'll enjoy that. But any more questions, guys, send them in very quickly, because we're going to wrap up very soon. We I've um, we got
2: code in the hallway, saying.
1: Oh, well, we'll wrap up ex- even sooner then. Stop me so- having dinner but again so just before we do wrap up before any questions might finally quickly come in let people know when your next book is out because you did mention it very briefly and where they can find your information for your book as, uh, at the moment
2: I did so yes yeah, so my next book is out in April um, it's called the thin place and it's based in Scotland and it's about a very creepy bridge that you can visit where dogs leap to their deaths so it's looking at why that bridge is cursed and why the house and the estate are so haunted um so yeah that's coming out in april and it all my information everything about me really is found at my website which is www.cdmajor.com so okay yeah and i i'm on twitter so i'm Cheska major on twitter um i'm cd major author on instagram i'm all over the place so you can find me quite easily but if you go to my website then you can just find all my links but yeah i do love to chat to people i do you know i do interact with with people if they want to talk writing i love it so, if people do get in touch if you have specific questions as
1: well about something you want known. Philip Decay, I love Toad and the Hole. Haven't had that in forever. Um, oh, just to fun. say it for Mario, as a musician, CD major sounds like a classical composition. <laughs> um, and the new book sounds oh. very interesting. Mario actually um, has, he's uh, an old school's choir uh, conductor. And we've oh, played right. his videos before on the show. It's amazing.
2: Well, it's my, I mean, it is my name, but it is ridiculous. My, my new name, you know, CD Major. It also sounds like I'm seriously
1: CD. And like, <laughs> CD Major. <laughs> I love like, it.
2: Every time, you know, I get announced, I'm like, oh, God. Um, well,
1: as always on the show, in the show descriptions, whether it's on the podcast or the YouTube video, um, we will leave the website for CD Major on there with the links to a Twitter and all that stuff. So you can find it, as well as the show sponsor, which, if I go back very quickly and I'll remember, um, was Jeff Major, another major. Any relationship? Yeah. Any relation? No, no relationship. Uh, okay. Uh, with this book, uh, Deadline. So we'll leave links to all of that good stuff. So again, you know, if you can please support the authors and support this show, we will be very, very happy. And next week, like we mentioned, the Halloween show, eight o'clock next Friday on the 30th. Fancy dress. If you're interested in this uh, CD, Seska Major, you can attend. Um, you can fancy dress in either a character of your book or something related to it. And bring spooky drinks that are slightly alcoholic because there'll be lots of games going on and it's going to be a complete laugh. And um, that sounds brilliant. In, like I mentioned earlier, in Wales, we're locked down now for two weeks, so we can't go out anyway. So this will be the place yeah. to be. Um, but anything, any more questions, send it uh, Seska's way. Like she said, she'll answer them. And please check out her book because it has had an unbelievable amount of amazing reviews. And as we found out earlier, it could be coming to the big screen at some point. <laughs> and i really hope it does so um all the best for your release uh, next year oh thank you thanks and... so
2: much
1: for me on again and don't do oh, it. <laughs> i know i'm so uh, so happy that we got you back on and i will download this instantly uh, as we get offline and um no, I, I will it. i will cherish it and uh ask cd on again oh in light of that actually and you yeah. you mentioned this earlier and i nearly forgot name name awrymo is next month and what yeah. we can do is throughout our interviews through november we can get mm-hmm. someone on for a quick five minute update on how their name awrymo's go in so if you want to jump into that at some point you're more than welcome to as well okay
2: make sure that i'm on early so that i'm like yeah yeah it's going really well not like <laughs>
1: oh okay okay um i see the vibe there yeah
2: i don't want to on november the 30th
1: when it's yeah <laughs> i collapsed i didn't do it oh oh brilliant no yeah (laughs) Yeah, we'll do that and i think that'd be great for a lot of the community as well to tell us there how they're getting on and we can give them advice as well
0: yeah Yeah, if
2: if people haven't done it they must do it it's so fantastic it's such a great way of just getting words on the page
1: it really is okay excellent right thank you so much for coming on and um as you guys um found out last week we are now affiliated with novel factory software if you want to know more about that just get in touch and um, we can hook you up there and um just yeah you know spread the show around and enjoy it and um and we thank you uh, seska for coming on the show it's been a real pleasure thanks for having me <laughs> no worries um thank you guys we'll see you on wednesday for a show with um and i'll announce that very soon actually i won't, I won't give it away now you might have seen that already but i'll announce it in the week uh for wednesday show so don't miss that and we'll see you wednesday and friday cheers guys bye